When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome, MD Nation, to the program. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. And of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel when you have the chance. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, back here on a Monday night to talk about the Week 9 Sunday recap. And every single week, I try to come up with a theme. You know, the, the most common thing I saw throughout the week and what stood out to me. And uh, as you could tell, probably by your fantasy scores and lineups and the amount of disappointing performances, that the theme of this week was opposite day. It was opposite week the, for all of fantasy football. Opposite, opposite, opposite. It was result over process. The entire thing. All the process, all the usage, all the trends, all the expected game scripts, everything, everything you would have thought that was going the way it should have, the exact opposite happened. The players who haven't been involved all season had great games. Guys being terrific on tears lately suddenly disappeared. And the points, there weren't many points. There was This was a very, very low fantasy scoring week so overall we are going to go through these matchups and and you know what to take out of them but overall this is a crumple it up and throw it away week there are so few things that i think we can actually take out of this week and effectively apply it moving forward that it's going to actually mean anything because of how abnormal this week was but nonetheless we're here to dive into it too and try to recap and make sense of everything that happened. 
Kicking off, by the way, with the Kansas City Chiefs and Green Bay Packer game right off the bat. I mean, this game, come on. 13-7. Jordan Love starting for the Green Bay Packers. They couldn't sustain a drive for anything defensively, and the Chiefs still can only put up 13 points, and it's just more of the same. It's just inept, incoherent play calling, disappointing offensive line play, and Patrick Mahomes thinking he has to do more with the ball than what he does. Just make it simple on yourself, Mahomes. Take what's available. Why does every single play have to be a highlight, have to be a bomb? That's what's going on right now. That is what's plaguing the Kansas City Chiefs. A number of things all coming to a head at the same time. They just get back to the basics. Let their offense be aggressive. Establish the run first. Get everybody thrown off. Get back to motioning and getting creative. Scheming Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey open. They're not doing that. Hill, they'll still line up Hill all around the field, but he's not doing his motionings. He's not doing his jet sweeps. They're not doing that with him as much anymore. They're having him go out there, line up, and just go. That's it. That's all they're doing. Travis Kelsey, he finally got a red zone target, gets a touchdown in this game, something he had not had this season, the red zone target, that is. But now, you still found yourself throughout the game scratching your head like, why is he only allowed to run a button hook across the middle? Why is that the only route Travis Kelsey is seemingly able to do in this offense? Andy Reid has my head banging against the wall right now. Just banging against the wall. But, nonetheless, here we are. And now, we got to talk about, you know, what do we take forward here? They had a terrible win against the Giants. They had a terrible win against the Green Bay Packers. And offensively, from a fantasy standpoint, you look at Patrick Mahomes, what do you do? I broke him down outside of my top three, outside of my top four for the first time this year, this week. Because he does have the skill set and because of the matchup the past you know few weeks, because the Giants against the Packers, he was supposed to be a top three play. All the numbers, all the algorithms, everything points to Matt Patrick Mahomes should be an elite QB1. But he continues to underwhelm, continues to disappoint. Only 166 yards and one passing touchdown in this game. That's not going to help you fantasy-wise. He's killing you fantasy-wise. And frankly, at this point, we're at the midway point, guys. Do they have the pieces to turn around? Do they have the skill to turn around? Sure. Sure. The problem is, I don't know that they will. I don't know that they can. Not at this point. Not anymore. So you find yourself in a situation where I think you'd be better off not having Patrick Mahomes in your team. Because if you have him, you have to play him. Can't not start Patrick Mahomes. But he's hindering you more than he's helping you. And yes, his value from a production standpoint so far this season would make you think that, you know what, you're not going to get a great price for him. However, he still has the Patrick Mahomes name. People will still believe that he'll turn around. So look to somebody who's been streaming quarterback and maybe hasn't been doing a very good job of it or got a bad break with the quarterback of their choosing and see if they'll give you a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end of value. Because right now, you'd be better off streaming your quarterbacks than you would starting Patrick Mahomes each and every week. 
That is the sad truth right now for your fantasy football teams. Look, guys, we're heading into week 10. Playoffs start week 15. You have another five games left to make your playoff pushes. You can't wait around hoping Mahomes turns it on and hits the switch. So I'm saying it. Sell high on the Patrick Mahomes name. It's not going to be on the production, but sell high on the name. Go to streaming quarterbacks and see what kind of value you can get back in return. As far as the rest of the team, Darrell Williams was fine. 19 carries, 70 yards. Derek Gore, as we said, was just a backup option. Got a lot of his work in on one particular drive. Last week, this week, only three carries, 13 yards. Nothing we were concerned about. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey still get all the volume that you care about. Hill gets 11 targets. Kelsey gets eight. It's just mediocre days. You're incredibly disappointed, especially against the Green Bay Packers, that Tyreek Hill gets four receptions for 37 yards. Of course you are. Are better days ahead? Yeah. When it comes to Hill and Kelsey, Mahomes not playing well can be frustrating because it is limiting their ceiling at times to what it should be. But still, they're getting so much of the volume that you feel fine holding on to him in case this thing does turn around because they're not, they didn't have great performances. Well, Hill didn't have a great performance here, but they're not killing you fantasy-wise. You're not losing because of the production of a Travis Kelsey and a Tyreek Hill. So you can be a little bit more patient with them, even in your playoff races. So Travis Kelsey, five receptions, 68 yards, a touchdown in this game. You like that he finally found the red zone. You like that he had a red zone target. The Chiefs, even with all their woes, generally speaking, have still been scoring more than 13 points, which gives me to my other point. Green Bay Packers defense, I don't know if they figured something out, and it's hard to tell being that the Chiefs offense has been so disappointing this season anyway, but now it's like three weeks in a row where the Packers defense has actually played very well. Remember, they shut down Arizona, too. They were a bit banged up in that game, but they had a really good performance defensively in that matchup as well. So the Packers, right now, are treading in a way that they may not be the juicy matchup they were earlier on in the season. So when you see them coming up on the schedule and you have a wide receiver licking your chops, keep in mind, they're playing a little bit better football. Surprisingly enough, without Jared Alexander, they had Kevin King back, and they're actually playing better football than they were earlier on in the year. Right? I mean, that, that kind of just says it all for Week 9. It doesn't make any sense. As far as the offense with the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love is not the answer. Now, I know everybody wants to say, hey, hold up. It's been one game. It's been one game, Dan. And look, I agree, but here's the problem. Here's what I saw. I saw a guy who's been in the NFL for more than a year now. He's been learning behind Aaron Rodgers. He's been learning the system. He's been learning how to be an NFL quarterback for the past year. So, yes, while this is his first start, he has a different grading curve than your typical rookie would have. I think we can all agree with that. He should not look lost out there. And he did. Not just with the play calling. He looked lost trying to read defenses. It looked like he has not learned a single damn thing in the year practicing in the NFL this entire time. Can't make reads. He's got some nice skill set. He's got a good arm. He's got some mobility. But he's inaccurate. Can't read defenses. Doesn't have anticipation. And this game, as I thought it probably would, is now going to throw a lot of cold water on the Aaron Rodgers situation of it all with the whole COVID and vaccination process because now Green Bay Packer fans got a live look at Jordan Love, and it ain't pretty. 
There's no way you walked out of the game thinking to yourself, yeah, this guy's got a chance to be our starter. Like, no, you walked out of the game thinking to yourself, we got to find a way to bring Aaron Rodgers back next year and find somebody else to be the future replacement. That's what you had to walk out as. So I think there's a lot of cold water about to be thrown on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation of it all. And I'll say this, if he does get cleared by Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks, which is the first day he's allowed back, even if he wasn't able to practice, he's able to do the mental reps you know, through virtual meetings for the game plan, he'll be out there starting next Sunday. I guarantee it. Because there's no way you can put Jordan Love back out on the field after this. There's a Kansas City Chief defense. Everybody has lit them up. It was a simple game plan. Hit Devontae Adams or check it down. And he's still only 19 of 34 for 190 yards, a touchdown, and an interception in this game. And look just completely lost at times. Better days, of course, are going to be ahead for Devontae Adams. 14 targets, but only six receptions, 42 yards. A lot of them were not even in the area. The running backs. Now, this is the this is the story everybody wants to get into when it comes to the Packers. So, A.J. Dillon had a lot of work in this game. Eight carries, 46 yards, compared to 12 carries, 53 yards from Aaron Jones. And then the big the kicker for Aaron Jones' owners was the fact that A.J. Dillon, four receptions, four targets, 44 yards, while Aaron Jones didn't get a catch in this game and only had two targets. So I get the disappointment. I get why, if you're an Aaron Jones owner right now, you weren't happy with that. However, keep in mind, because a lot of people are going off the last two weeks, against the Cardinals, they didn't have Devontae Adams. So you knew they were going to game plan everything around the running backs. You come into this game with Jordan Love. You're trying to take as much pressure off of him as possible. You knew A.J. Dillon was going to play a lot more. And most times not, especially when Rodgers is out there on the field, Aaron Jones is going to be the one getting the receptions. Not A.J. Dillon. So again, I'm not worried about this. This does not change my stance on an Aaron Jones or an A.J. Dillon at all. A.J. Dillon is good enough and involved enough where he can be considered a flex RB3 option in certain matchups. Aaron Jones is still a low-end RB1. He still played almost double the amount of snaps of A.J. Dillon. And even though Dillon is showing that he's much better in the passing game than really anybody anticipated, being that he was never a factor in the passing game in college, he's still the better receiver. He's still the more explosive player. He's still the one getting paid over the next three to four years by the Green Bay Packers. He'll be the lead guy. Relax. Don't worry about it. Will he be that top five running back moving forward? Maybe not. A.J. Dillon has carved enough of a role within that that he may not be that top five guy that you were hoping he would be when, you, when you've taken him because he's been able to finish the past couple of seasons. But this still isn't that drastically different in the usage than when he was paired up with Jamal Williams. He would have these games where he was disappointing because Williams got overly involved one particular week. A.J. Dillon's usage is not more significant than Jamal. His production is, his efficiency is, but not the overall volume and usage. So as long as that does not change, I'm not worried about Aaron Jones moving forward. All right, enough about that game. Hopefully, better days are ahead for both of these offenses. It was just a terrible showing on all ends. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers, by the way, 
who should be in a hell of a lot of hot water right now, especially Kyle Shanahan. You cannot go out there and only drop 17 points and lose by double digits to a Colt McCoy-led DeAndre Hopkins-less Cardinals team. That absolutely was pathetic. Pathetic on every end. But betting-wise, we've been pointing this out to you guys. San Francisco 49ers, they suck at home. They don't cover. So the 49ers have a home game, bet on the line on the other team. That's pretty much all I have to tell you because it doesn't seem to matter what the situation is. They're not going to cover at home. It's it's almost a, it's a, a lock guaranteed just the way the Chiefs not covering is a pretty much a lock guarantee at this point. And he didn't do it again this week. So keep those two things in mind moving forward. You're going to make a lot of money on betting against the 49ers at home and betting against the Chiefs all the time. <laughs> all the time. Let's start on the 49ers side of the ball. Let's try to let's try to make sense of this all. Jimmy Grapple, 28 of 40, 326 yards, two touchdowns. He continues to be a streaming option. He had a great fantasy day last week, and then this week has a very solid performance here. Now, a lot of it is because of volume, having to come back and be a late part of the game, but the second game will always go 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns. So Jimmy Grapple is somebody who's entrenching himself in that streaming end territory. Now, he's just a streamer. I'm not talking about him as a rest-of-season guy. We don't know if or when Trey Lance may or may not take over, but here's what I will say. If the 49ers do not believe that Trey Lance is actually ready to come in and take over, there's really no incentive for him to to do so. It's not like they get a higher pick if they lose more games. They don't have any first-rounders for the next three years or two more years after this. So there's not an incentive to bring in Trey Lance, lose a few games, and get a higher draft pick. So they may stick with Jimmy Garoppolo to try to keep being competitive. And given the extra game this season, you have a little bit of a longer leash as far as these teams when they're actually out of the playoff race and not. So I think it's still going to be a little bit while, if at all, that we see Trey Lance actually take over. So I still I still think Jimmy Garoppolo may be a streaming option because he keeps putting up these 300-yard performances even though San Francisco struggles to score more than 20 points in a the game. They've only done a couple times this season. Elijah Mitchell was incredibly disappointing. He was efficient, but incredibly disappointing. Eight carries, 36 yards. You know, but he does tack on more in the passing game than he had previously, which you like to see. Five receptions of 43 yards on five targets. So Michael Hasty was still targeted quite a bit too. Four targets there, three catches, 11 yards. And as far as the routes run are concerned, it was Mitchell, about 12 more routes run then Jamichael Hasty. A lot of people were wondering, okay, is Jeff Wilson, he was active. Did he get involved? No, he didn't have a single snap in this game. He pretty much assumed the Trey Sermon role previous to, but who, by the way, was completely inactive for this matchup and is now even further down the depth chart than he previously was with Jeff Wilson back in the mix. But in the box score, he wasn't involved. It was his first week back. I'm curious. This is something I'm watching. I still am staying strong on I want to sell Debo Samuel high and I want to sell Elijah Mitchell high, if at all possible. You have to. You have to. <laughs> Dan commenting in, Panthers bring Cam back. Uh, bringing anything in right now would probably be an improvement over them. We'll talk about them in a little bit later on in the show. 
George Kittle had a great performance back, though. We were happy to see that. Six receptions, 100 yards, eight targets, a touchdown, and not even on a full plethora of snaps either, by the way. Still played the overwhelming majority, 47 snaps out of 59. Pretty good for his first game back. Part of it was because they had to come back. Part of it was because he was on fire. They couldn't cover him, and he was looking like the George Kittle of old, and you weren't worried about it, and you had to get playmakers out there. But the real story of the pass catcher is Brandon Ayuk. Talked about him last week. Said all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the usage was there. He played over 90% of the snaps last week. All of a sudden, he looked like he was allowed to be the starting wide receiver. And then this week, it wound up turning into production. Six receptions, 89 yards, a touchdown on eight targets in this matchup. Now, part of this, of course, could have been that Debo Samuel reportedly is dealing with the calf injury, and it was more of a hindrance to him this week than it was last week. He still targeted the most on the team, by the way. He had nine targets, Debo Samuel, that is, five receptions, 43 yards, and it wasn't really reflected in the snap count. Ayuk had him beat by one extra snap, but he was out there pretty much over 90% of the snaps. So it wasn't affecting his playing time anyway, the injury to Debo Samuel. We'll have to monitor that and have to watch it. We'll see if that's if it's something that's going to continue to hinder his performance on the field, or is it that whatever's been going on with Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Shanahan, has Brandon Ayuk finally gotten on the other side of that, and now he's going to start getting the mix with George Kittle coming back at the same time, and now you're looking at Debo Samuel like, oh, you're dealing with an injury, and your targets are now getting siphoned. It's potentially possible. I told you guys to sell them high before. You would have sold them high a lot more than you would this week. But I would still get out on the Elijah Mitchell and get out on the Devo Samuel while I have the opportunity to do so. Now, always keep in mind, when I say to sell high on somebody, when I say to get out on somebody, it doesn't mean you're selling away for garbage. Devo Samuel, you sell him like he's a top five wide receiver, because he is. Elijah Mitchell, you sell him like he's a top 15 running back, because he is. You get that value in return before they're not that anymore, which it might be only a few weeks before that, unfortunately, winds up being the case. We flip things over to the Arizona Cardinals side, and we'll start with the bad news first. Chase Edmonds goes down after one carry. He's an, he was he was a top 20 running back for me this week, and unfortunately, first carry of the game, gets an ankle injury. We find out today, it's been confirmed, it is a high ankle injury so he's going to probably be out for at least they say three to four weeks usually with running backs it winds up being that four-week time period so he's going to go he's going to go right to the ir while he's out as we saw it in this game james connor is going to be an rb1 hands down he's going to be a no doubt about a top 10 running back every single week every single one so play him he was already the leading rusher in touchdowns anyway, so it shouldn't be that much of a stretch. But now, without Chase Edmonds in the mix, and I don't think this is going to be any different, by the way. He had 21 carries, 96 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground, but he got the five receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown through the air. But the five targets. He's going to be the James Conner from a usage standpoint that he was on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for anybody who's a James Conner hater out there, you have to admit that from a physical standpoint, he has looked more impressive in Arizona than he had the last past year in Pittsburgh. So there's reason to believe he can withstand and uphold 
until Chase Edmonds comes back as the workhorse back in this offense, which is gold. So I think for the next month, James Conner is going to be one of the most valuable running backs you could possibly have in your roster. Edmonds will be back eventually. So Conner's value will wear off a bit right before the playoffs. So keep that in mind too. Maybe he's somebody you sell to somebody who's desperate to make a run for somebody who might have a little bit of a longer-term leash with a similar type of value, somewhere in that top 10 running back or top 10 receiver, depending upon what you need. Because if you have James Conner, there is a scenario in which you may not need him at the running back position. Keep all your options on the table. But for the next month, James Conner is going to be one of the best fantasy football running backs to have. There's no doubt about that. Colt McCoy was solid, as you expect him to be in Kyler Murray's absence. 22 of 26, 249 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, didn't do too much, let the offense do what it needed to do. Remember, he didn't even have DeAndre Hopkins or A.J. Green in this game. So what did we see at the wide receiver position? Well, we saw Christian Kirk have a nice game. Six receptions, 91 yards, six targets. Rondale Moore was disappointing. He was. Now, technically speaking, he was tied for second on the team in targets with five. That's also with Connor and with Zach Ertz, who was also disappointing in this game through receptions, 27 yards. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. But the problem here is that Antoine Wesley, three receptions, 62 yards, he just played a little bit more than Rondale Moore, or about the same amount. 57 snaps for Moore, 54 for Wesley, 26 routes run to 23. And it was the way they were using Rondale Moore. He was supposed to be the slot receiver, but he didn't really run routes, or at least they weren't not ones he was targeted anyway. He was still only targeted on the screens, on the little gadget plays, trying to get him out in space close to the line of scrimmage. Cole McCoy didn't really throw it to him, like, you know, actually past the line of scrimmage down the middle of the field like you would a typical slot receiver. We may have to see this usage again. We don't, we don't, DeAndre Hopkins is day to day. AJ Green still has not gotten himself out of the COVID 19 protocol. So, he actually has to test negative for that. That has not happened to this point. We don't know where he's at on that. So there's a chance we may see this usage again. They'll still have some value to them. He still played like a starting wide receiver in this one, getting the second most snaps on the team. But I didn't like the way they utilized him. It really caps his upside, where he really has to be able to break one to have any chance to have the fantasy value that he should and you would like him to unfortunately have. So that's what we have to watch out with the Arizona Cardinals moving forward. We got Dan here. What kind of number do you think Green will end 
this season. I, I'm not really worried about AJ Green. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not. We'll see what he does. We'll see what happens. If he comes back and DeAndre Hopkins is still day to day, then AJ Green will probably be my number one floor Cardinals wide receiver heading into next week. But there's still no upside there to speak of. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's move on. We got a lot we got to talk about today. Let's talk about the Eagles and the Chargers here. We'll start on the Eagles side. They lose this game 27-24. But Nick Serini actually stuck to the running game. I didn't think he had it in him. I didn't think he could do it because he hadn't done it all year. He didn't lie in his game, but that's because it was wildly effective. So I had to see it before I could actually believe it. He did stick to the running game again. The offense, of course, much better for it. Why? Less of Jalen Hurts is better for this team, <laughs> throwing the football especially. You don't have a ton of weapons. Hurts is not an accurate quarterback. You need the play action. You need the RPO to actually work. In order for it to work, the running game has to be consistent. And it was. Jordan Howard getting a breath of fresh air, apparently, from Fountain of Youth. I don't know what's gotten into him, but 17 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown on four yards a carry. Boston Scott, 10 carries, 40 yards. The only guy that got left out for the most part with Kenneth Gainwell, he managed to get a rushing touchdown. But the problem with the running backs is, especially with Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell are concerned, we still didn't get a great idea on what happens when the Eagles inevitably have to throw the ball the way they did earlier on in the season. And it will come again. There'll still be a more... Ne- this was actually a pretty neutral game script throughout the game. There'll be the games where they have to trail and have to come back from behind. So we still need to get to see who's the true pass catching back. I still lean towards that being Kenneth Gainwell, but they really didn't throw the ball much in this game either. So we still didn't get to actually see it and break it down. As far as routes run were concerned, Boston Scott and Gainwell both had eight, but there's still not a lot to take away from that because nobody was targeted. So it's, it's so hard to tell on that front. Jordan Howard, apparently, though, is going to be the guy they give it to, for the most part, in the goal line and on first and second down. And mixing in Boston Scott while they do it. Kind of on a 55-45 split between those two. So Howard, somebody's going to have a little bit more value than initially anticipated, where it looks like not only did he look okay in this game, again, it was against the Chargers, but he has that floor of a workload now, especially if Nick Serene is going to continue to stick with the running game. We'll see next week. They have a tougher matchup next week, especially with the running game. We'll see if they're able to stick to it, even if it's not being effective. Because that's the other thing. They're still being efficient in this game against a bad run defense. What happens when you play against a good one? Will you stay with it? Because we still have more of a sample size of them getting away from the running game than they do going towards it. But a signal that the Eagles may be trying to change what they're doing offensively for the most part when they have the ability to do so. So we have to adjust with that moving forward. Which means, for Jalen Hurts' fantasy standpoint, he's still going to have a base floor because of the rushing. He has 62 yards rushing in this one. But if they're going to try to keep him more around the 20 mark of pass attempts, he had 17 in this game, his ceiling goes way down. This is a guy who's been a top five fantasy quarterback so far this year. That's no longer going to be on the table if this is going to be the approach of the Philadelphia Eagles from here on out. He'll still have a floor. I still think he'll be a top 12 quarterback more times than not. 
but he's not going to have that top five week in, week out ceiling. So that's something you have to watch too. So if you've been having Jalen Hurts and you haven't bothered been streaming because you haven't needed to, you haven't been looking at other options, he's another guy at the quarterback position where they could be a sell-high candidate because he is still considered an elite fantasy quarterback as of right now. But this is a trend that's not going in your direction. Now, again, wouldn't sell him off for just anything, but he could be a sell-high candidate, or I would maybe look at a Taysom Hill or look at some other streaming options and just have something to complement Jalen Hurts in my lineup moving forward just in case. Because, again, if this continues, you're not getting the ceiling, then he falls back into that streamer territory of quarterbacks between 11 and 16. So something to kind of keep in mind moving forward, too. That is now a trend usage last two games that we can take into consideration moving forward. Devonta Smith finally got back on track in this game. Thank goodness. Five receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. However, it goes back to the Jalen Hurts volume thing. If he continues to not have a ton of volume, then Devonta Smith's going to have a much smaller window in which to get production in. Because ultimately, Hurts is still not a very good, accurate quarterback. So the one thing that was giving Smith somewhat of a floor, and granted, it was still hit or miss, but some of a floor week to week was the volume that he was having. So he was able to be efficient in this game, but I don't know if he's going to be able to continue being efficient on 17 pass attempts like they had today or yesterday. Dallas Goddard was a little bit disappointing. Three receptions, 43 yards, but also six targets. The passing game was built around Smith and Goddard. That's what you want to see. Goddard is still a top six tight end for me moving forward. That does not change. Football over the Chargers side of the ball, Herbert was fantastic. It's kind of weird they only put up 27 points when he played this well. 32 of 38, 356 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Gave you another rushing touchdown on the ground. Fantastic for you moving forward and a great bounce back for him fantasy-wise after the whole Patriot fiasco a week ago. Austin Eckler, look, not his biggest game, but you still love the 17 carries. You still love the fact that he gets involved in the passing game. While this was kind of a downward, downward game for him, we know better days are ahead. We know he'll, more times than not, he'll be very involved in the passing game. He's still getting the red zone looks. His usage has not changed in that direction. The one thing I will say, though, that could be trending the other way is the Philadelphia Eagles' run defense. They didn't just change things offensively. They changed things defensive, defensively the last two weeks, too, where suddenly they're not playing as far back as they were, just trying to give up the big play. They're starting to be a little bit more aggressive. They're starting to blitz a little bit more. They're starting to come to the line of scrimmage a little bit more. And now you've seen that run defense. The Philadelphia Eagles used to be notorious for not being able to run the football on. Teams have not done that very effectively the last two weeks now. Something else to keep in mind. So you see the Philadelphia Eagles coming up on your schedule. Start looking at your chops, your running back. You may have to keep in mind, they might be turning in another different direction. They might be improving in that area. It might not be the juicy matchup that it was early in the season. That's when we start to see this halfway point. We start to see some teams will course correct certain things. And you can no longer just pick on them in that category. you got to recognize what's going on now. NFL is a now league. This is something you have to take take in consideration what is happening now. The other issue we got to talk about is the wide receivers for the Chargers. So Keenan Allen is great. 13 targets, 
typical 12 receptions. Sure. 104 yards. Okay. Didn't have a touchdown in this game, but that's kind of Keenan Allen. Gets all the volume. Doesn't necessarily score. If he does, he had a fantastic fantasy day. If he doesn't, he still had a really good day. He had a really good day here. But now we have a tr- another trend that we had to pick up on. Keenan Allen is back to getting his double-digit targets, back to leading the way every single week when it comes to targets. Mike Williams is back to getting five targets a game. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say he's back to being the Mike Williams of old because he's still running different patterns. This is still a different offense. There's a couple questions I have. Are you really healthy from the knee issue? Because really, his usage, his production has gone way downhill since he picked up the knee issue. Of course, you had the game where he got knocked out in. You had the following game where he didn't practice at all that week. Only had the five targets that game. Then he had the bye week. So you're hoping after coming out of the bye week, you'd be a little bit healthier. He was practicing in full. So you're hoping, okay, Michael Holmes is back on track this game. And he got five targets again. Two receptions at 58 yards. The only reason why he... You know, didn't totally destroy you, although he still probably didn't help you, but didn't totally destroy you because he caught 149-yarder. Now, Darius Slay was shattering him, and Darius Slay is still a very good corner, but this is not the expectation you have grown for Mike Williams anymore. So now what do you do? Where is he on your value list? Here's how I'm looking at Mike Williams. He is still a low-end wide receiver, too. They got a nice matchup coming up here against the Minnesota Vikings. I think what you're hoping for is that he's able to turn in a nice performance here because of the matchup, and he'll have the ability to hit the big play on the Vikings. They give up a lot of big plays to wide receivers. So I think you're hoping for him to get one of those 100-yard touchdown performance games in this week, and as soon as he does, you sell him high. It's like, oh, yeah, Mike Williams back to be Mike Williams. His knee's healthy. That's all it was. He just needed a few extra weeks of rest, and he was able to get back to being Mike Williams again. That's what you tell your opponent, and you sell him. You sell him for a legitimate high-end wide receiver two, maybe a low-end wide receiver one in some sort of package deal. But that's what you're looking to do. Now, like I said, I don't think this is all Mike Williams. I think he is dealing with the injury. I still think, is there a chance he could turn around and be more like the receiver he was earlier on in the season? Yeah, he has the skill set to do so. He's in the offense to do so. But this is a trend heading in a all-too-familiar direction. And that's why I would say if you can get Williams to have a good game this week, you might be better off selling high. But Keenan Allen owners, I think Keenan Allen's here to stay. I think Keenan Allen's back to being Keenan Allen. And that's great news for you guys. You've been waiting for that. Another game to talk about, Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins. We, there's not a lot we have to go over in this game. I will say, on behalf of all fantasy owners who are looking to stream this week, especially a quarterback, a big screw you to the Brian Flores and the rest of the Dolphins coaching staff. He had a fractured middle finger, and you wait until Sunday morning, late Sunday morning at that to actually tell us that all he kept saying all week long is that he's got an issue with a finger but he's practicing in limited capacity and you're always expecting him to play then suddenly that wasn't the case anymore come on come on because at that point by the time you found out about the two news there wasn't anything left in the waiver wire to stream everybody picked up their streamers for the week so you're looking in desperate places as a result of that 
that was a huge, huge blow to fantasy owners this past week because you were loving the matchup for two against the Houston Texans. So then now we have to deal with it on top of that. Well, now Waddle and Mike Kosicki owners have to go, oh, throw their hands up in the air. Why? Because now Jacoby Brissett's going to be the quarterback. And while the volume is still safe for a Waddle and a Kosicki and why you ultimately still have to play them, you knew your ceiling was going to be capped because he's not good. Waddle was okay. Eight receptions, 83 yards, 10 targets. Gasicki, though, four receptions, 54 yards, eight targets. That's okay. But the reason why okay is not okay or bad in this situation, in my opinion, is because this was a game against the Houston Texans. You wanted your ceiling back this game, and you couldn't get it. That's why it's not okay. Here's something interesting, too, about this one. Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin finally got a ton of touches, and I had him as a very high-end RB2 in this matchup against the Houston Texans because without Malcolm Brown, I know that he is definitely going to be the main pass-catching back because it's not going to be Savannah Met. And I didn't expect 20 carries in this game, but they gave him a workhorse load. And yet, Miles Gaskin, who's normally five yards a carry, 1.7 yards a carry in this game against Houston Texans. 20 carries with 34 yards. Did get the rushing touchdown. So from a fantasy standpoint, he was fine because he also tacked on the six receptions for 23 yards and six targets. But talk about another disappointing performance when he finally gets the usage you've been waiting for. With a matchup you've been waiting for. That's the problem right there. So Miles Gas, I think you have to continue to utilize him as an as a RB3, but also know that Malcolm Brown might be only a week or two away from returning. And we might be right back to where we were. So Gaskin's somebody who, even though this wasn't a great performance, because everybody's taking note of the usage, he's another guy I might look to try to sell while I can. On the Houston Texans side of the ball, oh man, I was so disappointed with Tyrod Taylor. I wasn't expecting Tyrod to be good fantasy-wise. He was in my 20s in the quarterback range. But my expectation was that Tyrod should be able to come in and help out Brandon Cooks get back to where he was for the first couple of weeks when Tyrod was a quarterback. Actually having a higher-end wide receiver two ceiling with by having a, an actual NFL competent quarterback throwing him the football with the volume that he gets. And the volume is still great for him. 13 targets in this game. But only six receptions, 56 yards. Taylor was just... He had one of the worst games I've ever seen him have. He's usually not that bad. Now, I don't know if he's just real rusty or, you know, what I point out going into this game, Chris and I went back and forth on this a little bit because we disagreed, but I kept saying I saw in week eight what looked to me like a more healthy and playing better Miami Dolphin defense. I do wonder if that had something to do with that here. But three recept- uh, three interceptions, 240 yards passing for Tyrod Taylor. No, no touchdowns whatsoever. I still believe... They're going to go into bye week this week and hopefully get some things figured out. But I still believe that Tyrod Taylor does tremendously help out Brandon Cooks actually have a ceiling as we move into the fantasy playoffs as long as he can stay healthy. He's still a much better option than Davis Mills. And I'll say this, Houston clearly is trying to be competitive by playing Tyrod Taylor. I don't think coming out of the bye, they're going to switch things back over to Davis Mills, who's been a complete catastrophe since he's been playing. 
So I don't think Tyrod Taylor's going to lose his job. So that's what you're hopeful for as a Brandon Cooks owner. And that's all you care about from a fantasy standpoint when it comes to the Houston Texans still. I mean, you went to, when we talk about the running backs, I usually just skip over them. But let's just say this. Phillip Rivers, eight carries, 28 yards. Follow it up with David Johnson getting four carries for 11 yards. Follow that up with Rex Burkhead getting two carries for nine yards. Who cares? The only other person I hear people talking about is Danny Amendola because he had seven targets in this game. I, no. It's Brandon Cooks. It's nobody else. And I'm glad Tyrod Taylor's back. But here's what I want to do now. I want to take a quick break. When I come back in on the other side of this, we have more games to talk about. So everybody stay tuned to EMD's Fantasy Football Show. And we'll be back with you all right after this message from a new sponsor that I'm very excited to introduce. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation. You're listening and are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, and of course, always on our YouTube channel. Subscribe when you get the chance to do so. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you pretty much everywhere. iHeart, Google Play, Sister, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere you like to go for your podcast streaming needs. We're going to be back tomorrow, 10 a.m., like we usually are, with the waiver wire report and, of course, the recap of the Sunday night and Monday night games. And they'll be back again from 7 to 8 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the Sunday game, Sunday afternoon games, I should say, Week 9 recaps trying to figure out what in this crazy, crazy, odd abomination of a fantasy football week you can actually take out of moving forward. Another one of those games that was really, really bad was the Carolina Panthers and New England Patriots. So I promise we get to this game. And look, Sam Donnelly picks up the shoulder injury. So Matt rolled. There was a big storyline about him not committing to Sam Darnold. It didn't really sound like I, I watched the press comments. I listened to it. It didn't really sound like to me he was insinuating that they were going to bench Sam Darnold for PJ Walker this week. It sounded more to me of, as a if he's not healthy enough to go, then he's not going to play. 
He has to say because he literally said, I have to see where his health is come Wednesday. So I, I'm not making this as big of a deal as far as, oh, will Sam Darnold get benched because he didn't commit to him the following week. I'll tell you, it ain't going to be P.J. Walker, okay? If they were to bench Sam Darnold, it would not be for P.J. Walker, who's not an improvement in any capacity at the quarterback position. Just He's just not. The problem is this. It doesn't matter what they wind up doing. Even if they did turn to P.J. Walker or brought somebody off the street, I mean, I guess maybe depending on who it was, I don't know who that would be at this point. But DJ Moore is losing value. And I don't think it's coming back. I was saying, guys, going into this this past week, people were still ranking Sam Darnold inside their top 10. And I was like, that's an absolute mistake. Now, I, I had him inside my top 20, and I necessarily didn't even want him that high, but I felt like with the volume that he normally sees, couldn't go much lower. Because he is DJ Moore. He can always break one. But it's killing him. Sam Darnold's killing him. Seven targets, three receptions, 32 yards. Did he give you 14 yards on the ground? But he, he's killing him. And yes, again, I know this is against the New England Patriots, and they take away the number one option, and blah, 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 blah. No. It still should not have been that bad. DJ Moore, unlike most of the receivers they take away, he doesn't line up outside all the time. They move him around. He gets, his, he gets his spots. He gets to choose where he goes. He gets his mismatches. And this wasn't just this game that Sam Darnold was terrible in, where he had three interceptions for 172 yards. It's been a month since he's thrown over 200 yards. That's the problem for DJ Moore. So if you're hoping on hope that DJ Moore is going to be that wide receiver one he was in the beginning of the season, that's not going to happen again this year. And now we're getting to the area where you have to question... Is he a wide receiver too? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or is he actually a high-end wide receiver 3? I think the answer is he is he is that low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 and based on volume. There's literally at this point in time no difference between a DJ Moore and a Brandon Cooks. And honestly, with Tyrod back, I think Brandon Cooks might have more upside. I really do. Because that's how bad Sam Darnold is. And that's how bad he's playing. Your only hope for upside for this thing to get corrected in any capacity for DJ Moore right now is that the return of CMC boosts this entire offense. Where because he's there and he's able to keep the offense on the field because he's able to help move the chains more effectively, then maybe DJ Moore can get some of his value back because the offense is going to stay on the field with the volume. 
So your hope is the return of CMC, the running back, is able to get DJ more more opportunities and have Sam Darnold playing a little bit more competently. That's your only hope right now. That's it. Now, talking about Christian McCaffrey, came back in this game and uh, he was the lead guy. Now, he didn't go buck wild crazy or anything like that, but 14 carries, 52 yards. Chuba Hubbard, only three carries in this game. And then target-wise, five targets, four receptions, 54 yards. He was a leading receiver. Tied for the second most targets on the team. And by the way, tied with Amir Abdullah, who had four receptions for 30 yards. Obviously, that goes away as they gain confidence with Christian McCaffrey's health, which that's the other good news here, especially for CMC owners. As far as I know, to this point on Monday night, going live with this show, CMC did not have a setback. Yay! I would suspect that would mean starting next week, though, he goes back to being Christian McCaffrey. Because they need the answers offensively. There are four and five teams that are still in the playoff hunt, and Matt Rule is going to feel some heat. He's not going to get fired this year, even if they don't make the playoffs, but he's going to feel some heat because he's the one who decided that Sam Darnold offered more upside than what they had with Teddy Bridgewater, which was false and wrong. And now he has he's having to pay for that. And now he has to do everything he can to be competitive. The only thing he can really do is get Chris McCaffrey out there. So does that mean he's going to be at risk to be re-injured? Sure. But it also means you might be looking forward to your Chris McCaffrey workload, I believe, starting next week. That's also what I think that means. He played 29 snaps out of 59. So they did make sure he was on a bit of a pitch count. Now, every time he was out there, they used him. That was that was pretty much the difference there. That'll go way up, I suspect, heading into next week. Chuba Hubbard's still the handcuff they have. But as far as, like, if you're a Hubbard owner and you don't have Christian McCaffrey, I don't know how much you want to hold on to him because he's not... He's a decent handcuff lottery ticket to have. The problem is that because now they've acquired Amir Abdullah, he's got no chance to be involved in the passing game. So you're talking about a guy that you're only leaning on for the rushing game if CMC were to get injured again. That's it. That's all that's all your help. That's all you're hoping for. So if you're not the CMC owner, I don't know how much I want to keep holding on to Hubbard. I do want to hold on to him if I own Chris McCaffrey. He's, he's still the lead back. He's still the guy to have out of the Carolina Panthers from a fantasy standpoint if something were to happen. But just kind of food for thought there if you need to get some roster flexibility in your lineups. Now, that whole thing is going to have to shake itself out throughout the upcoming weeks. I'm confident McCaffrey and I'm playing DJ Moore if I absolutely have to based on volume. Outside of that, you can't touch anything else from a fantasy perspective from the Carolina Panthers right now. That's how bad it's become with Darnold under center. Now, you go over the New England Patriots side of the ball, and there's nothing to talk about from a fantasy standpoint. Really not. Jacoby Myers, he, he can't be an option anymore. Earlier on the season, he was getting a ton of volume. It was kind of keeping him, especially half-point, full-point PPR leagues. He was staying this wide receiver three. That's been gone the last couple of weeks. Mac Jones is spreading the ball out more and more. The Patriots are becoming a more run-first offense, limiting the amount of pass attempts he's even has to begin with. And because Myers will never score a touchdown, I guess, in his career, apparently, he's not allowed to. I don't know what kind of value he has. Now, you fast forward over here to the, the running back conversation. That's the conversation everybody wants to have. 
Now, this is, a, this is a tough matchup. We knew it was going in. Carolina Panthers have been one of the best run defenses in the NFL all season long. Damian Harris was not efficient. 15 carries for 30 yards, so two yards a carry. But he does get that rushing touchdown, so if you felt like you had to play him, he at least saves your fantasy day with the touchdown. I know everybody's getting all excited because Ramondre Stevenson had a good game. 10 carries, 64 yards. He was efficient. Brandon Bolton even was. He had 8 carries, 54 yards in this game as well. But how many times have we seen this? Stevenson's had a couple good games so far this year already. And he follows that up with being a healthy and active the next week. You care about Damien Harris, and that's it. If you're in full point PPR and you need to take a shot on a Brandon Bolden, you can maybe consider it because as far as him being the pass catching back, that role hasn't changed. That usage hasn't changed. But Ramondre Stevenson thinking that he's going to have fantasy value again. What, what happened last time we thought that against the New York Jets? Oh, that's right. J.J. Taylor was, in that, was active that game. You can't trust it as far as anything outside of Damian Harris. And from a fantasy perspective, there's nothing else to talk about. The tight ends are, are irrelevant. Hunter Henry, two two receptions, 19 yards. He gets the touchdown. Great. <laughs> he got he got just seven seven point nine fantasy points over in full point PPR. He got you nine point nine fantasy points. Whoop de do. That's like his ceiling. Janu Smith continues to be the most overpaid blocking tight end in the entire NFL. Their defense was phenomenal if you had them in this game, but fantasy wise, man, these two team these two teams are brutal, brutal. Thank God, CMC easily is back for you guys for Carolina. So let's talk about a surprising game that did have a lot of fantasy action in it. Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals. I thought the Bengals were going to win this game. I thought the Bengals were the better team. I underestimated the fact that apparently OBJ not being on the team, it doesn't just make Baker Mayfield better. It makes the defense better. It makes everybody in the offensive line better. It makes everybody better. It's not just a Baker Mayfield thing. Mayfield, by the way, was okay in this game, by the way. It wasn't great in this game. 14 of 21, 218 yards. He had the two touchdowns. He just didn't make as many mistakes. That was really the only difference for him. Nick Chubb was phenomenal. Phenomenal. 14 carries. That's it. But 137 yards, two touchdowns, broke off a 70-yarder. He was like the Nick Chubb of all, where like every time he touched the ball, he just gashes the other team. And this is Cincinnati Bengals defense that had been pretty good against the run until this week. Oh, I should say against the Jets, too. There's going to be some chinks in that armor. I was touting Cincinnati Bengals defense earlier on in the season as being one of the most underrated defenses in the entire NFL. There's now some chinks in that armor where it might be getting back to being more of the Bengals defense you can take advantage of like you used to be able to. Now, if you're asking yourself right now, okay, well, why did Nick Chubb only get 14 carries when they won this game 41-16? to That's simple. The Browns were hitting big plays left and right, not just offensively, but defensively too. And that's why they got up so much in this game. But the Bengals dominated time and possession. I mean, they were like always on offense. So that's why Nick Chubb doesn't wind up getting, you know, 20 carries in this game. But who cares when you're giving that kind of production? So that's to say, like, when you look at the eight carries in the box score, if you didn't actually watch this game, look at the eight carries in the box score for Dearness Johnson, and wonder, like, well, is that the reason why he didn't get 20 carries in a game which you would figure they'd use him to melt the clock out on? 
No, they used Dearness Johnson to melt the clock out on at the very end of the game just to get this thing done and over with. That's when he got most of his work was in the fourth quarter. So we're still not worried about Dearness Johnson here. And it was actually nice to see Nick Chubb was allowed to catch a few balls in this game. Two targets, two receptions, 26 yards. Not something that happens very often. I don't know if it's a thing moving forward. Probably not. I'm not going to count on it. All I really care about is that the explosiveness of Nick Chubb is back coming off, you know, another week removed from the calf injury. That's all you really care about. Everybody making a big deal over the Donovan Peoples-Jones touchdown in this game. And it was a great touchdown. It was a great play. Awesome. 100%. 21 pass attempts total in this game, and he only had three targets. That is not usage that is sustainable. So before you go pick it up, Donovan Peoples-Jones, thinking you found what OBJ was supposed to be in this offense, in him, keep in mind the usage real, real low. And that is an expected game script for the Cleveland Browns. They are expected to win games through the running game and Baker Mayfield throwing the ball less than 25 times in a matchup. The guy who was actually disappointed with was Jarvis Landry. Five targets, three catches, 11 yards. You're expecting him to be, especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, a high, at least a high-end wide receiver three with OBJ gone and supposed to be seeing a lot more volume. Even when Baker Mayfield only throws the ball 25 times, Jarvis Landry usually still has eight or nine targets. That didn't happen in this game, so you're disappointed by it. But Jarvis Landry is still going to be a top-end volume-based wide receiver three for me. We've seen it in the past when OBJ is out and it's a lot of the volumes going to Landry. That's where it's going to go. That's where I'm going to hit. I still think he has value from that standpoint. I'm not too concerned about this. I'm not concerned about other guys getting more involved. I'm really not. On the Bengals side of things, Burrow just, you know, it was a rough game. 20, 40, no touchdowns, two interceptions. The offensive line of the Bengals. And this, that was really the story of this game, is that they got dominating the trenches on both sides of the ball. The offensive line of the Bengals looked more like the offensive line that we knew from a year ago. There was just pressure up the middle constantly on Burrow. Constantly. Doing whatever he could just to keep his team afloat. T. Higgins was okay in this game. Eight targets, six receptions, 78 yards. He's a solid wide receiver three who we know has more upside. It just hasn't come yet this season. The big play hasn't been there the way it should be because Jamar Chase keeps eating them all up for the most part, but I think he still has some upside as we move into the next half of the season. I really do. The target, the volume is there. I think he's got a very safe wide receiver three floor. Chase, yeah, I know. Six receptions, 49 yards. It's not the performance that you've gotten used to, that you want. We still had 13 targets in this game. So even if things are going bad for the Bengals, Chase is going to get his opportunities. And more times than not, he'll be okay. He had a few bad drops. It's going to happen with him from time to time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Nothing to be concerned about. I don't move off of him from being a top five wide receiver. 
And then we have the curious case of Joe Mixon. 13 carries, 64 yards, two rushing touchdowns in the game. So you love that. Came through. It was the only person to score for the Cincinnati Bengals. 4.9 yards per carry. So very efficient. And then he got involved in the passing game. Five targets, five receptions, 46 yards. I don't have this stat off the top of my head, but I would like to look up in games in which Mixon has been targeted five times or more, how many times he finishes inside like the top six of running backs of the week. Because that's the key difference. It doesn't really matter how many carries he has. He's always going to lead this team in carries. It's Is he allowed to be involved in the passing game that particular week or not? That's what dictates the rest of his value. Because this whole competition with Samaja Perrine, and it used to be, you know, Gene Bernard, just gets in his way constantly from being the elite RB1 that he frankly could be. He had 26 routes run, Samaja Perrine's 15, five targets to his three. That should be the way it should be more times than not. But unfortunately, we see Perrine get a little bit too involved on a more consistent basis. I'm not going to say Mixon, oh, this is him turning the corner. We've seen this before where he'll go back the following week and get two targets and wind up not being involved, and Perrine has, you know, seven. You take it into the games that you can get it. You wish this would be more consistent the way they're doing it. And who knows? If they're in game scripts like this more often where it's looking like the Cincinnati Bengals are going back to being the Cincinnati Bengals, then it might actually play out beneficially for Joe Mixon from a fantasy standpoint because he might have to be forced into being more involved in the passing game. Nothing else to really go over there. Tyler Boyd continues to be kind of irrelevant for me, fantasy-wise. CJ Usama is nothing more than a boom or bust tight end streamer. Let's talk about a game that really interests me moving forward, because there's a lot to take out of this one. It's the Falcons and the Saints. Falcons come away with the win, 27-25, a big divisional win, because this actually, believe it or not, this puts the Falcons back in the hunt from a playoff standpoint because now they're 4-4. Four and four. When you look at that team, they got no business being in the playoff hunt, but they are. They are. I will say this, too. I do think if they're able to stay, arguably, in the playoff hunt, I know they put Calvin really on the IR, so he's going to miss at least three games or at least two more after this. We don't know exactly what's going on with Ridley. And we wish him all the best. And hopefully he's able to get right with whatever, whatever mental hurdles he's dealing with. But I do think if the Falcons are able to stay in playoff contention, it does go a long way for Calvin Ridley making a return at some point this season, which is why I go to say continue to hold on to him, especially if you have IR spots. you got no reason to drop him anyway. But even if you're kind of roster constraint, don't just drop Calvin Ridley if you can avoid it. Try not to. Try not to. Because I do think as long as they are in playoff contention, there's a decent chance he will come back at some point this season. Now, as far as who was a true hero of the game, well, there's there two heroes in this game for the Falcons. One, of course, Cordero Patterson. Didn't really do anything on the ground. Didn't really expect him to against the Saints. But what did I say? Without Calvin Ridley, they're going to have to lean on him, I thought, as you know, probably the number two receiver behind Kyle Pitts. And from a usage standpoint... That actually that wound up being the case. Pitts had seven targets and Patterson had six. For six receptions, 126 yards on those six targets. Unbelievable. You still keep listening to this guy as a running back. I mean, he's a PPR nightmare right now for everybody. But Cordell Patterson finding a way to get it done. 
must start every single week. Low end RB1 every single week. It's not going away. It's not going away, folks. Cordell Patterson is here to stay for at least the 2021 season as lightning in a bottle. Does it last past this year? I have no idea. But just enjoy the ride right now. There's nothing else. To, there's nothing else to say. Mike Davis sucks. He'll continue to split carries with him because he's not built to be a true workhorse back or anything like that. And he'll have to be leaned on even more in the passing game moving forward. He's leaned on to be the playmaker of this offense. Pitts, man, he was okay. Three, three receptions, 62 yards on seven targets. He still gets more volume than most of your tight ends are going to. We know what type of player he is. We know better days are ahead. There's no reason you should be wavering at all on a Kyle Pitts at your tight end position. I'll say this, Russell Gage, I know he had eight targets, seven receptions, 64 yards. How many times do we have to go over the Russell Gage thing for you guys? Just like, look, he's not fantasy relevant. Sorry. He can have a decent game like this here and there. He could be in a position of prominence where he should be seeing X amount of volume to make him a fantasy asset. It doesn't stay. It doesn't stay. So please, I don't want to hear Russell Gage on people's waivers going into next week. Please save yourself the resources. Please, oh, please. The other hero was Matt Ryan. I was very impressed with how Matt Ryan played against this defense on the road in the Superdome with no Calvin Ridley to lean on. And he's able to tap in a 23 of 30 for 343 yards and two touchdown performance in this win. Very impressed with Matt Ryan because he has not had many of these games anymore, especially without Julio. And to do it in this spot, whew, Now, does this boost Matt Ryan to be anything more than a mid-level streamer depending upon the matchup? No, not at all. His his fantasy value rest of the season does not go up for me because of this performance. But what it does do, it gives me a lot of confidence in being able to roll and ride with Patterson and Kyle Pitts for the rest of the season. It does give me confidence for that. On the Saints side of the ball, if you're rooting for Taysom Hill to be the starter like I was, especially from a fantasy perspective, this was the outcome you needed. If they had won this game with Trevor Simeon starting, especially considering that Taysom Hill played his normal role, his normal gadgety role, goal line role, he played that role. And that's surprising in a way. Because from what I understood... The reason why they didn't want him to be the starting quarterback is they want to thrust him back into the lineup right away after having missed you know, about a month, let's say, on concussion protocol heading into this week to be starting quarterback. Well, if you're really worried about his health, he wouldn't have been out there as much as he was playing his little Taysom Hill role. I think this was truly an audition to see could Trevor Simeon be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. I think that's what, we, I think that's what this game was. And because you lost the Atlanta Falcons, who you should have beat, I would be willing to bet, it's not a sure thing right now, but I would be willing to bet that tre- that Taysom Hill will be the starting quarterback from week 10 on. I do believe that. Because I believe once he gets it, he's not going to give it up. Because they're just going to commit to that being their offense moving forward. And that's going to be their identity. I think their defense is good enough that they'll be able to win games that way. We saw it last year they were able to do it. I don't see why it'd be any different in this scenario. And I want Taysom Hill to do it because we need more top 10 quarterbacks, especially with some of the ones struggling right now. So 
We have to wait and see. We don't know for sure yet. We'll keep you up to date throughout the week on social media at BMDFF Show. But I think there's a better chance than not that Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback the rest of the way because they lost this game against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, outside of that, what is that? Who cares? Doesn't mean anything. Michael Thomas isn't coming back. We got to see where OBJ winds up. The Saints are definitely a possibility. And if they are, even if Taysom Hill's a starting quarterback, the volume will be there for OBJ. Not worried about that. But all I really care about is Alvin Kamara from a fantasy standpoint. And wasn't his big gaudy game, but he still got over 100 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. What more do you want? 13 carries, 50 yards, gets a touch on the ground. Four receptions, 54 yards on seven targets. So the only question I'm going to have, of course, and it's going to be on everybody's mind, is that if Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback, Sean Payton, will you still make sure that he's throwing the ball to Alvin Kamara? I think it's a foregone conclusion that he will. If. If the Saints do not bring in OBJ. Because then by default, Kamara will be the best pass-catching option that they have. So that's why I think you'll still get it. If they bring in OBJ, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like last year with Michael Thomas when Taysom Hill took over, where he just peppered Michael Thomas over and over again. It wasn't going to be for big games, but the volume kept them fantasy relevant, gave him a solid floor, but Alvin Kamara maybe suffered a little bit in that department. We have to see. Uh, it, Kamara still has 17 touches, still gets over 100 yards and a touchdown. There seems to be a lot of commotion about, oh, but now he's not getting 30 carries, or he's not getting 30 touches, he's not getting plus 20 carries because Mark Ingram's there and he gets nine carries in this game. So? Now I'm supposed to believe that Alvin Kamara is not a top three running back? Uh, hello? Most of his career, where he's been a top three fantasy running back pretty much every year, he was sharing time, carrying the ball with Mark Ingram. In fact, until this season... Alvin Kamara had never had a 200-carry season, and yet he still finishes a top three fantasy running back. I don't know why that'd be different now. So I am not souring on Alvin Kamara because Mark Ingram is there taking some of the carries away. Because as a result of that, we've seen Sean Payton make sure Kamara's getting extra touch through the air. And that's what you really want out of him anyway. So I don't get what the big deal is. I don't care about any of the receivers of the Saints, unfortunately. So what I want to do right now, I want to take a quick break. When I come back on the other side, we still got a few more games to recap before we close this whole thing down. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. 
The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel when you get the chance to do so. We're talking about the Week 9 Sunday afternoon recaps. Make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And make sure you check us out tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. We'll be live with the Waiver Wire Report and the Primetime Recap Game Sunday night and Monday night. Along with, of course, we'll be back 7 to 8 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Let's keep this thing rolling here. We want to cap off the show. Let's talk about the Raiders and the Giants. The Giants pulling off the win. Well, the Raiders have been playing real well lately. On both sides of the ball, the Giants are still dealing with some injuries, and yet the Giants are able to still pull off a win here at home. Daniel Jones did very little to help. That was what was interesting. Now, this is actually a, this is a giant defensive victory, was what it was, which was surprising. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Daniel Jones here, 110 yards and a passing touchdown and only 17 yards on the ground. Absolutely atrocious. So as you can imagine, there wasn't much to go around for the pass catchers to begin with. He only threw the ball 20 times in this game. Evan Ingram wound up with the touchdown, three catches, 38 yards on three targets. Still does nothing for me. Still nothing more than a mid-level streamer. Kenny Galladay comes back. He has two targets in this game, two receptions, 28 yards. Kadarius Toney only had one catch. That was what was real disappointing to me because I did tout Kadarius Toney as a a real viable play because the slot receiver, normally speaking with Daniel Jones, can do very well. And I thought that was an area in which you could take advantage of the Raiders. I didn't expect Daniel Jones to only have to throw the ball 20 times. I didn't expect the Giants to control this game the way they did. I especially didn't expect the real fantasy winner of the day, although he wound up with a hip injury, but the real fantasy winner of the day to control the game the way he did, Devontae Booker. Booker was great. 21 carries, 99 yards. He would have gotten over 100 had he not had to pick up the hip injury, which they're saying they'll have to get MRI on and see where he's at. Although, they do expect Saquon Barkley to be back after the bye anyway. But we'll see what's going on there. Tacked on three receptions for 23 yards. I'll say this. Booker may not be flashy. He may not be exciting to watch. But as long as he's been getting the volume, he's been a very valuable handcuff while Saquon Barkley's been out. He really has been. So if you're the Saquon Barkley owner, as long as you can, I know we're in a bye week here, so there might be some roster flexibility you got to pull. But if you can hold on to Devontae Booker, if you're a Saquon owner, do so. Because you saw, like, look, in his stead, if he's getting all that volume, he's going to be okay. Now, we don't know what a hip injury is right now. Booker tried to come out and say his hip feels great and yada, yada, yada. I don't know if we're definitely going to get clarity since we're in the bye week for them. But just kind of keep your eye on it. I wouldn't be eager to drop him just yet. We still got to see Saquon actually come back, although they do seem to be pretty hopeful that will happen again after the bye. 
I do think better days are ahead for Darius Tony. Remember, we're still going to be a few weeks away from Sterling Shepard returning. Now, now we'll reopen that conversation when that happens, because I still maintain the slot receiver is the receiver to own when it comes to the New York Giants. So, and when when Shepard comes back, I expect him to be the slot receiver, not Darius Tony. So that will be a conversation we need to be had. I will say this: Darius Slayton has no value whatsoever on this team. I don't even know how much value Kenny Galladay has in this game either, to be honest with you. Guy came in. I know it was his first game back. He had tied Darius Slayton with the most routes run, most snaps on the team. Still wasn't much. But what a waste Kenny Galladay's been. I mean, really. I mean, he was on my bus list coming into the season. I didn't see the fit. I didn't see the fit with him and Daniel Jones. I didn't see the fit with him and Jason Garrett. And then he has to deal with the injuries, which he's been pretty much an injury-prone player now throughout the majority of his career. I don't know how much value Kenny Galladay really has. I don't know if he is anything more than a touchdown-dependent wide receiver four on this team. He's not a play. I don't even know how much you really even need to own him. Because, again, I go back to I only want the slot receiver of the Giants. I don't really want anybody else. Not a consistent week-in, week-out basis. Now, on the Raiders' side of the ball, this is, you know, was the problem. Derek Carr wasn't great. He's played so much better than this. And the Giants here, I mean, on paper, they still are a bad defense. They should be a defense you could take advantage of. But now they had a good performance against the Chiefs, which as of late may not be saying much. But this Raiders offense had been humming. And they had a good performance here now against the Raiders. Something else to kind of keep an eye on to see if maybe that defense somehow, some way, maybe turning a corner a little bit. They're not turning the corner in the running game, though. Josh Jacobs, unfortunately, picks up a little bit of an ankle issue here. We'll have to watch that to see how bad it is moving forward. He just he can't get to break when it comes to injuries. But before he went out, highly efficient. 13 carries, 76 yards, 5.8 yards a carry. And then even Kenyon Drake came in at 7.5 yards a carry. He had 4 for 30. The running game was working very, very well. The problem was that the Raiders fell behind, so they couldn't just stay with it the entire game. Darren Waller gets back on track here finally a little bit. 11 targets, 7 receptions, 92 yards. Still not a big gaudy performance, but definitely a step in the right direction, as I suspected would be the case with them losing Henry Ruggs, that they would get a little bit more volume heading towards Darren Waller and Derek Carr go back to leaning on you know, his safety blankets. I know they signed Deshaun Jackson, who will play that same Henry Ruggs role, but we all also know what comes with Deshaun Jackson. He, in and of himself, could be a boomer bust wide receiver four, but the issue really is if he plays consistently at a high level, how long can he actually stay healthy for? I was a little surprised they decided to sign Deshaun Jackson before waiting to see if OBJ would become available via free agency. I was a little bit surprised to see that. But that's the direction they're going to head in. So OBJ, I don't think, is going to be a Raider. I think you can take them off the table because otherwise they would not have signed us on Jackson. Hunter Renfro, I think he's the safest wide receiver. He has the most volume headed his way. Nine targets in this game, seven receptions, 49 yards, a touchdown. That didn't surprise me. But if he didn't score that touchdown, you're looking at a mediocre stat line. And that's what Henry Ruggs is. He scores a bit more than most slot receivers in his standpoint do. But that's used his normal his normal stat line. So this is not very exciting. Maybe a low-end wide receiver three, given the certain matchups, certain game scripts expected. 
I will say this going back to Josh Jacobs, though, before he got injured, continue, he continued that trend that I was talking about, why I was getting very excited about Jacobs, why he was a buy-low candidate for me coming out of the buy or going into the buy heading into this match. They have some nice matchups the rest of the way if he can stay healthy. And he continued on his emergence now and being allowed to catch the football. Four targets in this game, four receptions, 19 yards. Nothing gaudy, but he had five targets before the bye, and he's been actively more involved in the passing game since John Gurdon has stepped down as head coach. That's something to keep your eye on. That's something to watch out for. That is a trend in the right direction. So we like to see that. But let's move on here. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills. Look, if you have any shares of the Bills, just take this game, crumple it up into a ball of paper, throw it in the trash. There's nothing to take out of this game. I know it's the most disappointing performance you could possibly have in what should have been the most juiciest matchup that you could possibly have. I get it. This was this game was the epitome of week nine. It just was. Losing this game. Nine to six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen being terrible. Josh Allen of Buffalo. It is Josh Allen of Jacksonville, of course, was phenomenal. I just don't take anything on this game. Better days are ahead for Allen. Stephon Diggs actually was okay. Six receptions, 85 yards, eight targets. But just continuing on, just not being the top target every single week. He's consistently getting in that eight target plus range. But he's just not being the top guy. And remember, coming into the season, he was doing a little bit with a knee issue. He doesn't look like, he has not looked like the same explosive Stephon Diggs from a season ago at any point this season. So I do wonder if he's still just lingering with that knee issue that he picked up preseason and just has not been able to get back to 100% explosive Stephon Diggs that he was. I think 2022 will be better. I think this is what he's going to be for the rest of this season. It's still a high, it's still a, a low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two in this offense. Still is. Cole Beasley, even though he was super banged up, had 11 targets in this game, not only went for eight receptions and 33 yards. But his value may come to an end. There is some talk that Dawson Knox may be able to come back this week. If that happens, we'll see Cole Beasley go back to being kind of the odd man out in the offense, I believe. The thing to watch out for coming out of this game was Zach Moss picked up the concussion. So as a result, Devin Singletary started leading the way. He got more receptions from that standpoint. Look, they're still both RB3s more times than not. But I do believe Zach Moss was starting to inch away when it comes to that. We have to watch the concussion injury, what's going on. If he if he misses next week, then Devin Singletary becomes a very, very solid RB2 option because they have been involving the running back usage-wise in a much more significant way than they did last season. So if he's going to get all of that work, he does become a very solid RB2 option here if Zach Moss were to miss. Otherwise, they're both RB3s. They both have low floors because they just eat into each other. You're only playing them if you just need to you know, hold down the four at a running back spot. That's it. On the Jacksonville side, I mean, it wasn't like they did anything impressive fantasy-wise. The good news, I'll say, is that Trevor Lawrence sounds like, even though he has a low ankle sprain, who came back in this game, it sounds like he will be able to play next week as well. At least they're counting on it anyway. Carlos High got a ton of volume. 
21 carries, 67 yards, 3.2 yards a carry, although him being inefficient against the number one defense in the NFL, not all that surprising. So I'm not going to be like too disappointed. I think where you're hoping you get a little more volume out of him was the passing game, which only had two targets and one reception for six yards. But I also expected Trevor Lawrence to throw the ball more than 26 times. I also expected Jacksonville to not be in a pro game script against the Buffalo Bills and have to come back from behind. I thought they'd be leading by three touchdowns going into the second quarter, frankly, and that didn't wind up being the case. So again, just a lot of weird things from a lot of weird angles. We'll see if James Robinson's able to come back next week or not, but if he's not, at least you know Carlos Hyde. He's getting all the work. They got a match against the Colts next week, I believe it is. Still not a great matchup there, but more times than not, they'll be in a situation where they'll be throwing the ball more, and they would get more dump-offs to Carlos Hyde. If James Robinson were to miss another game, I think Carlos Hyde still could be considered a low-end RB2 based on volume. As you could imagine, none of the pass catchers were that great, but I will say Dan, Dan Arnold, he walks away with seven targets, four receptions, 60 yards. So the volume for him is still there, keeping him in that that very high-end streaming range. Where he's, he's going to be around my top 12 tight ends because he's getting solid, sustainable volume week in and week out. Jamal Agnew, five targets along with Marvin Jones. I mean, both three catches, both in the 20s as far as yardage goes. So is LaVisca, by the way. They got they, We'll see what happens. And the receivers, they have a better matchup against the Colts, obviously. They're on their like JV squad, secondary-wise. So I do think Marvin Jones might be a play. PPR, I think Jamal Agnew might be a play. Nothing really changes from a fantasy perspective for the Jaguars, though. And this was just a very, <laughs> this was a very weird game. Here's another weird one. Denver Broncos, the Dallas Cowboys. Kind of like the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to ball this game up and kind of throw it away for the Dallas Cowboys. Look, Dak looked rusty. He looked like a guy who was concerned about his calf injury. And I think he was just, I think he it wasn't just focused. I don't think he was quite focused. He wasn't focused like a normal Dak would be focused. Now, credit Denver's defense. They came out and played a heck of a lot better than I expected them to. There's, there's no doubt about that. But I don't look at this as a matchup moving forward. All of a sudden, Denver's defense is great, and the Cowboys' offense is in trouble. No, they're not. And from what we understand, as far as Ezekiel Elliott injury goes, he's day-to-day, but he was able to come back in that game. I think he'll be okay to come back again next week. Zeke's tough. He's, he's so tough. He, this is a guy who just, he just doesn't miss games. Now, of course, if he were to miss, Tony Pollard would probably be a low-end RB1. But he's not really, he's not going to make the waiver wire report because he's not less than 50% owned anyway, as he shouldn't be. But we'll keep an eye on that throughout the practice week, too. Look, all I can say is better days are ahead. Malik Turner, Malik, of all people, Malik Turner was the one who had two receiving touchdowns in this game. Wasn't Amari Cooper, wasn't CD Lamb. And this wasn't, this game wasn't on Cooper, wasn't on Lamb. It was, they didn't have bad games. Dak Prescott had a bad game and it killed all the fantasy value that you should have had for the Dallas Cowboys. Really did. Really did. I mean, CeeDee Lamb was open twice on two bombs, and he just overthrew him by a mile. Michael Gallup is expected to come back this week, which means Dalton Schultz, who had five targets, four receptions, 54 yards in this game, the the floor is going to bottom out on Dalton Schultz soon. Michael Gallup comes back in. He's the one who loses out on the targets. 
So something to kind of keep in mind. I think Gallup, he, in his own right, is going to be a WR4 or so. But better days are ahead for the Cowboys offense. On, on, on the Broncos side of the ball, you love what you saw with Javante Williams, but both running backs were good. Melvin Gordon, 21 carries, 80 yards. He picks up the touchdown, two receptions, 15 yards. Javante Williams wasn't involved in the passing game at all, but 17 carries and 111 yards. Looked like a stud out there. And this is a Dallas Cowboy defense that have been pretty stingy against the run so far this season. So to see the Broncos come out and be able to do that on the ground and really just control this game from the get-go, very impressive for a team that looked like it had kind of had been trending in the wrong direction, especially after trading away Von Miller. You're thinking, oh, maybe they're calling it a season. No, they're not. Tim Patrick, man. So Jerry Judy comes back, and we're all like, well, you know what? That might be the end of the Tim Patrick scenario. No, 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 no. Tim Patrick, four receptions, 85 yards, a touchdown on five targets. He continues to be that guy that if you need a wide receiver to spot start, you can just play him. He finds a way to be solid more times than not. He just does. Cortland Sutton was the odd man left out here. Two, two targets, one reception, nine yards. Judy had eight targets, six receptions, 69 yards, and played more the snap count share that you would expect him to do more as a starter, getting kind of back into more of the mold. I like Judy moving forward as a wide receiver too, a low and wide receiver too. I like Cortland Sutton moving forward as a low and wide receiver too. Keep in mind, Teddy Bridgewater made Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore, both very valuable assets throughout the year. So I'm not worried about Teddy Bridgewater maintaining them. The problem with the Broncos that's different from the Panthers is this. You got guys like Tim Patrick who are good and can get involved. And even though Noah Fant didn't play in this game, normally you have him to get involved as well. There's just more mouths to feed. So sometimes somebody's going to get left out. But more times than not, I'm going to believe in the talent of Cortland Sutton. I'm going to believe in the talent of a Jerry Judy. And they're going to be assets in my team, depending upon the matchup and everything else. Are they going to be must plays every single week? Maybe not, depending on who they're playing. But are they going to be in that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three territory more times than not? Yeah. Yeah, they are. So, bad game for Sutton, but I'm not panicking off of him in any stretch. And then, of course, you got the Baltimore Ravens and the Minnesota Vikings. will be the last game we talk about for tonight. This crazy overtime win by the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar Jackson, great fantasy-wise, wasn't very good NFL-wise, but was great fantasy-wise in this game. 266 yards on 41 pass attempts, completed 27. Three passing touchdowns, but he did have the two picks. But where he really locked it down, man, whoo, 21 rush attempts for 120 yards in this game. They had to come back from behind. And when they do that, Lamar Jackson just kicks in the Superman role mode, and this is what we get. Devonta Freeman, 13 carries, 79 yards, was actually very efficient in this game, was very good throughout this game. And Le'Veon Bell was too. Le'Veon Bell got most of his work in the second half, but it was still a neutral game script. And all of a sudden, I'm like, who's I'm like, who's the 17? It threw me for a loop for a second. I'm like, who's the 17 looking decent? It was Le'Veon Bell getting like a blast and a pass at one point, 4.4 yards a carry, 11 of 48, and he gets the rushing touchdown. Unbelievable. But look, as long as Latavius Murray is out, Devonta Freeman has to be considered a high-end RB3 that you can play if need be. 
And I think there's a pretty good chance being that they get the Thursday night game. Latavius Murray will probably miss again. So you can continue to play Devonta Freeman. The Le'Veon Bell thing, this is the first time we've seen him really be utilized and actually be effective in any kind of significant way. So I'm not necessarily banking on that. We Yes, he'll get rotated in because the Ravens are going to rotate running backs for the most part. But I don't know if I'm willing to bank off of this performance that maybe Le'Veon Bell is somehow a back-end flex play too. Uh, no, I'm not going to go that far. Devonta Freeman, and then I'm not really interested in much else when it comes to the backfield as far as trusting. The passing game, though, that belongs to Marquise Brown. Nine receptions, 116 yards, 12 targets. Andrews had 10 targets, too. Should have had a touchdown. Really bad drop in the red zone. Otherwise, his fantasy day could have been a hell of a lot better. Five receptions, 44 yards. I'm still not worried about Mark Andrews. Rashad Bateman looked decent. Didn't have a big game, but five receptions, 52 yards on eight targets. You'd like to see that out of Rashad Bateman. We still have not been able to answer the question, of course, you know, what happens when Sammy Watkins returns, but I'm not too worried about it. I think Rashad Bateman, they, he's the future first and foremost, but I think he's also done enough where he should be the starter ahead of Sammy Watkins as the number two receiver moving forward. I don't think that changes when Watkins comes back into the rotation. I really don't. On the Vikings side of the ball, Cousins wasn't great. I mean, he wasn't bad. 187 yards, two passing touchdowns. It wasn't bad from an NFL standpoint. Does sneak a touchdown in, so he gets a rushing touchdown too. So the touchdowns save his fantasy day. If you're looking to play against the Baltimore Ravens. The big one was seeing Dalvin Cook get back on track and still not quite getting the volume you'd want him to in this situation, but getting back on track. Only 17 carries, but 110 yards off of those 17 carries was busting them left and right. And then three receptions for three targets, 12 receiving yards. That's where I still want to see him get more involved there. Get him the five to six targets that you were getting Alexander Madison when he was filling in for Dalvin Cook. I don't just just give him the targets. Get him out in space. Doesn't always have to be between the tackles when you get the ball to Devin Cook. I'm just saying. But a little bit better there with there in routes run than he had been, staying kind of true to their word about getting Dalvin Cook's workload back up again. And then receiver-wise, look, Justin Jefferson, he had the big 50-yard touchdown at the very beginning of the game. Didn't really do much else outside of that. Finished up with three, three catches, 69 yards, a touchdown on five targets. But again, keep in mind, Cousins only wound up throwing the ball 28 times in this game. They were leading most of this game. and been Baltimore just kind of dominated the second half and then won in overtime. So it's kind of a weird game script as far as usage goes. Adam Thielen, you know, he has a touchdown, two catches, six yards outside of that, seven targets. But he's scoring touchdowns this year. And he's just as involved. He's a 1A, 1B with Justin Jefferson for the most part. He's a wide receiver, too. Is he a touchdown-dependent wide receiver, too? Yeah, but he's scoring enough that it doesn't really matter. He's on the same pace that he for la- that he was on last year when he was third in touchdowns. Hasn't, hasn't regressed. Thought it would. Thought it should. Hasn't happened. So you're going to play him as a wide receiver, too. And the last note I want to take about is, is, is Tyler Conklin. Five receptions, 45 yards, the seven targets. He's been getting between that six and seven target range pretty consistently. That's something to watch when you're looking for streaming tight ends out there. That's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, we'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. with the waiver wire report and the primetime recap games. And then again from 7 to 8 p.m. on Tuesday on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We'll see you guys then. I'm Dan Mater. Check us out in your favorite pod streaming app after the show. 
And we'll be talking to you again real soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 